Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Here at Velocity, we love listening about how lives are changed through our church. So if that's you, please contact us at amen at findvelocity.org. Enjoy today's message. What we're talking about in this series is how a building doesn't make a church. A church is a culture. And that's why every week in this series, we're taking time to learn how to live out the culture of our church. Understand that culture is not just words written down. It's not just your values put into print. Culture is what you live out. Culture is who you are. It's how you do things. And this week, I thought it was so cool the way it worked out because we're talking about a part of our culture on a day and on a weekend where so many of us honor the sacrifices of those who gave their lives in service. What we're talking about today is our culture of we love sacrifice. Isn't that cool the way God can orchestrate that? Now, the, the thing is, most of us don't love sacrifice, if we're honest with ourselves. Most of us avoid sacrifice. Most of us stay away from sacrifice. But you need to know that if you're going to be a follower of Christ, a follower of Jesus, a disciple, then loving sacrifice is part of it. In fact, I would tell you that following Jesus isn't about leaving a legacy as much as it's about living sacrificially. Now, if you've ever felt like you don't know what that means to love sacrifice or even to live sacrificially, today is going to be a good day for you because we're going to look at a passage of scripture in Mark chapter 14, which paints a beautiful picture for us of what it means to live sacrificially. And so if you want to find that in your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 14. And I always encourage our church to bring your Bible to church, to look up the scriptures with me. Now, I recognize most of us don't bring a leather-bound Bible with pages. And full disclosure, I don't either. This is the way I read my Bible 90% of the time, is on my phone. And if that would bother you, that your pastor reads his Bible on his phone, you can be at ease because I have 30 Bibles in different translations, and I use all of them. But this is a lot easier to carry around. And so you can uh, engage with God's word on your phone, write the scriptures down. You can even highlight stuff. You can send a verse to somebody if God's speaking it to you. And, you know, my heart is that if you come to church here, you're going to learn the Bible because it's God's word that changes your life. You don't need to know what I say. You don't need to know my opinions. It's receiving God's word into your heart that's going to change your life and change the way you live and change you from the inside out. So Mark chapter 14, let's get into it. This is the final days of Jesus' life before his crucifixion. He's celebrating Passover with his disciples. And in verse one, it says, now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people, they might riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. Did you say pure nard? Yes, 100% pure nard. Tell somebody it was pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. And some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. But Jesus, he spoke up. He said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. 
The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Her sacrifice became her memorial. And in so many ways, that is the essence of sacrifice. Sacrifice is always looking beyond itself. And I want to look at this text together today to speak about our second culture point, which is we love sacrifice. And the title of this message is it's about right priorities. It's about right priorities. I want to say a quick prayer before we get into God's word. If you would bow your head with me, let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to come into your presence and hear from you. God, I ask that your word would go forth clearly, let it be easily understood, and let it be received by every heart here. I thank you for it, God. And everybody who agrees with that can say, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, how many of you have a chore that you really don't like doing? Anybody have a chore that you just avoid? I suppose that is the essence of chores, uh, that you don't enjoy doing them. Kind of goes without saying I guess I'm just thinking about this because of my kids. Are you saying your kids are a chore? No, that's one interpretation. That's not where I was going with this. Um, I, I'm, I'm talking about because my kids, you know, right now, uh, they're, they're gone. Uh, they, my three oldest boys, uh, they're with their grandparents and having a good time. And it's been amazing. It's nice to have some freedom. Uh, Marissa said to me yesterday, she says, don't you miss our boys? I said, no, no, I don't. <laughs> I feel born again, again. If you want to, like, this is what, my chains are gone. I've been set free. That's what it feels like. Um, It's like a vacation at our home. But no, the reason I'm bringing it up is because with my kids gone, now that my time is not spent parenting all of my little children, my wife has decided to create a laundry list of things for me to do. And uh, and so that's how I'm going to be spending my time. But the, the point is, is that, you know, the great thing about being a parent is that as your kids get older, you can give them the chores that you don't want to do. This is God's will in parenting, by the way. He's like, I've seen you. You haven't killed your kids yet. Now that they're older, they're going to do stuff for you. Congratulations. It's the plan of God. And, uh, but my, my kids aren't, aren't here, so I have to do all this stuff now. But I'm just saying there's different chores that I don't like to do. One of the chores that I don't like to do is carrying the groceries. Anybody with me on that? I don't like carrying the groceries. That's why I've given this responsibility to my children. And what's funny about it is I've never taught them how to carry in the groceries, yet they do it exactly the same way I did when I was a kid. And there's really only one way to do it, let's be honest. And that is to get as many grocery bags around your arm as humanly possible and make one trip. You have to do it in one trip. That is the will of God. It is the American way. And so my wife will pull in with a, uh, with a van load of groceries from Hy-Vee. This message is sponsored by Hy-Vee, by the way. If I keep saying it, they'll send an offering. So Hy-Vee... And uh, I'm not just joking. That's not true. But uh, she'll come from Hy-Vee, and uh, she'll, 
to have all these groceries in the car. And I'll say, boys, go get the groceries. And they'll run out there and it immediately becomes a contest. They've got 13 bags on each arm. Two of them are gallons of milk. <laughs> Their arms turning purple from the lack of circulation happening right now. And they run in and they drop them and shove them on the kitchen floor. And they're like, Dad, I brought in the groceries. And I want to be mad at them, but I'm kind of like, that was pretty impressive. Like, that was, that was amazing. Like, I would have done that same thing. But, you know, as impressed as I am with their accomplishments, the point of carrying the groceries is not to see how many grocery bags you can fit on one arm. The, the point of the gro- carrying the groceries is not to see how fast you can do it, isn't to have a contest, it's not to do it in one trip. The purpose of carrying the groceries is to get them from the van into the kitchen without damaging them in the process, right? And I bring this up because I think it's a picture of how so many of us approach sacrifice. Look at what I did. I worked so hard. I'm spread myself so thin. I, I did so much. I look, at what, look at what I accomplished. And yet, what's the point of getting all the groceries in one trip if you smash the bread in the process? See, sacrifice is about right priorities. It's always about right priorities. And I want to ask you, is did you prioritize the right thing? And are you prioritizing the right thing? And the truth is, if we're honest, it's not always easy to prioritize the right thing, is it? Because we have a lot of conflicting priorities. We have a lot of competing demands on our time and our schedule. We have a lot of competing values. I mean, how am I supposed to know if this is a time where I'm supposed to be flexible or a time when I need to be consistent? Competing values. How do I know if right now I need to clean up the mess in the kitchen or if I need to play with my daughter? How do you know? How do you know if I need to invest in my relationship with my wife and take her out to dinner and take her on a date or if we need to focus on saving money for our future? How do you know? It's always take your wife on a date, every time. You gotta find different ways to save money, but it's always gonna be take your wife on a date. I'm just saying it's confusing to know what to do. And if you've ever felt like me, being confused, what should I do in this situation? I've got conflicting priorities, competing values. This message is gonna help you today. Now, I want you to put yourself at ease because what I'm not going to do is tell you what your priorities should be. I'm not gonna do that. Really, all I wanna do is help you see why you're choosing the priorities that you are. And Mark 14 is gonna help us with that because this woman makes a sacrifice. It's about right priorities. And the disciples are confused by her sacrifice. Now you can read this story in different passages of scripture. It's told in three of the four gospels and different gospels give different details. One thing we learn in this passage is that this perfume that she poured on Jesus' feet, it was worth a year's wages. Pure nard, remember that. It was expensive. 
And the reason it was so expensive is because it came from a spikenard plant, grew in the Himalayan mountains, okay, grew in the Himalayas. It's 11,000 to 17,000 feet in elevation, but the reason it was expensive is because it was a 6,000-mile journey to get this plant to Palestine. So even with that in mind, you can understand a little bit why the disciples are beginning to freak out about this, because this is very costly. This is really expensive. Her gift is extreme. Her gift is extravagant. And if we're honest, it's a little inappropriate. I mean, she's pouring this oil, this perfume, and she's wiping it off with her hair. It just seems a little strange to me. That's, that's a little bit extreme. So it's understandable why they freak out about this. Because they're trying to make sense of it. And sacrifice doesn't usually make sense. And in fact, I've found that our mind always tries to make sense of situations. Like whenever my heart wants to have faith for something, my mind tries to make sense. And they're often in conflict with one another. Because if you follow God for any amount of time, you recognize that following God doesn't always make sense. Have you ever been there? Following God doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me why a God who has everything would want anything from me. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense why a God who's all-powerful would invite me to be part of his plan. It doesn't make sense to me why a God who is perfect and sinless in every way would want to be involved in my imperfect and sinful life. It doesn't make sense why God would send his son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And it doesn't make sense why someone else's sacrifice would make a way for me. It doesn't make sense. And if you follow God long enough, you're going to see there are some things he asks you to do that don't make sense. It might not even make sense why you come to church. I was thinking about how in our church, from the perspective of a spectator, there's a lot of things that don't make sense. Have you ever thought about that? Why are people raising their hands? What are they reaching for? What's upstairs? What is that? Why are people clapping and engaging and talking back to the sermon? Aren't they supposed to be quiet and just listen right now? Doesn't, I don't, why don't you even go to church? I bet that doesn't make sense to some people. You serve? Hold up. Let me get this. You work Monday through Friday. Sunday is your day off and you work for the church for free? It doesn't make sense. Maybe it doesn't make sense why you come to church here. I mean, let's be honest. The pastor only preaches half the time anyway. It doesn't make sense. What does he do all the time? True story, I invited, I, there's a friend I've been praying, like I've been praying for this guy for five years to come to church. He started coming to church seven weeks ago. And uh, I, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Not just that, he's involved on a team. It's great, you know, it's great. God's moving in his life. But I, I was grabbing coffee with him the other day and he's uh, like, yeah, I've been coming and I've only heard you preach once. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. And you know, it doesn't make sense unless you realize that you're not coming to hear me speak anyway. 
you're coming to hear from God. And so if you're coming to hear from God, it doesn't matter who's on the platform. It doesn't even matter. It, it doesn't even matter if it's a video sermon on Easter, right? Because what you know is that when you get to that place, God shows up. And if God shows up, he's going to speak to your life and he's going to give you the word that you need. But it doesn't make sense from the perspective of a spectator. And that's why I was so interested in this woman's story, because I saw something in her priorities that were different in the priorities of the other people in the room. Somewhere along the line, her priorities shifted. And the first one that I see is that she shifted to serving from observing. To serving from observing. It's the difference between participating and spectating. Now, to understand this, you got to look at a different gospel to get some other details on the story. If you look in John's gospel, John tells us about it in chapter 12. And what he tells us is that this isn't just any ordinary woman. John tells us that this is Mary, the same Mary who in one chapter earlier, her brother Lazarus was raised from the dead. It's the same Mary who in one chapter earlier, her sister was all upset with her, Martha, because Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, but Martha is doing all this work, trying to get everything ready. It's the same Mary. And, and Mary, she's seen a lot. Mary has received a lot. But when it comes to this point, she's not in this situation to see what she can obtain. She's there to see what she has to offer. And that's not the case for everybody who was there. John tells us about this in verse 9. Write it down, look it up for yourself. But in verse 9, it says this, that there was a large crowd of Jews, and they discovered that Jesus was there. So they came to the scene. But they didn't come just to see Jesus. They came to catch sight of Lazarus, the man whom had been raised from the dead. There are a lot of people there, a lot of people around. Not everybody's there for the same reason. Mary's there to serve Jesus. Other people are there to see Lazarus. And it made me think about the different priorities that people have when they come to church. We come for different reasons. Now, I'm thinking if I'm in the Bible, if I'm in this story, I would probably want to see Lazarus. Like there is nothing inherently sinful about coming to see a man that Jesus raised from the dead. But what it represents is a different priority. What it represents is a different mindset. Mary is there to serve. Others are there to spectate. Mary's there. She's received way more than she ever could have asked for. And because of her experience, her heart is now, how can I make a difference? How can I be a part of something? How, how, how can I invest here? What can I offer? Now, what's crazy, though, is she's not the only one who's been around Jesus. I mean, for three years, Jesus has been healing people. For three years, Jesus has been working miracles. For three years, Jesus has been feeding people. And the disciples have been eyewitnesses to all of it. The disciples have had front row seats to everything that Jesus has done. And yet, when it comes to this point where his hours are winding down, he's getting ready to do the very thing he was born to do, they're confused by her sacrifice. It doesn't make sense to them. It seems extravagant. It seems out of the ordinary. And maybe the reason is revealed in verse 9 of Mark chapter 14 because it says, 
she did what she could. See, it was not just a shift to serving from observing. Her sacrifice showed that she realized it's not what I don't have, but what I do have. She did what she could. See, the danger isn't that you wouldn't do what somebody else could do. The danger is that you wouldn't do what you can do. And so many of us stop short of sacrifice because we're comparing our deficiency to somebody else's sufficiency. I bet there were so many things in Mary's life that she felt she didn't have. So many things in Mary's life that she felt she couldn't do. I bet she felt like she couldn't cook like Martha could cook. I bet she felt like she couldn't serve like Martha could. Martha was so good at getting the house ready and doing all these things and planning and being organized. And that just wasn't Mary. I bet she felt like she didn't have those things that Martha had. I bet Mary felt like she didn't have the confidence that Peter had. I bet she felt like she couldn't speak like Peter could speak. I bet Mary felt that she didn't have the means that some of the other people had that were close to Jesus. But it's this idea of do what you can do. That's where the miracle is. That's the idea behind where heaven meets earth. Heaven represents God's power, his supernatural ability, the things that he can do that only he can do. Earth represents your efforts, your ability. It's where heaven meets earth. It's where God puts his super on your natural and makes something supernatural out of it. That's where the miracle is. That's why sacrifice is so important. Because it's a lot easier and a lot more fun to focus on calling. And we can talk about what God has called us to do. And we can talk about God's call on your life. And as long as you talk about calling, you're talking about your promise and your purpose. That's awesome. But you can't talk about the calling without counting the cost. And when you start to count the cost, what you realize is now this is about selflessness and this is about sacrifice. Don't talk about the calling of a disciple if you're not willing to count the cost of a disciple. Another way of saying it is don't pray for what you're not willing to pay for. Sometimes God will put things on your heart. You're praying to God about it, but he's called you to be the answer to your own prayer. He's called you to roll up your sleeves and get to work. He's called you to do something about the burden that he's put on your heart. And that's where the miracle happens. Not just when we receive the promise, but when we're willing to pay the price. And if you can do that, then maybe your focus won't be on what you're giving up, but it'll be on what you're giving to. That's the last point. Her priorities shifted from giving up to giving to. You know, there's a phrase I used to say all the time, and I like this phrase, it's a good phrase, you can adopt this phrase. When talking about sacrifice, I used to say, sacrifice is giving up the things we love for the things we love even more. That's true, it's accurate, but maybe the emphasis is wrong. Because the truth is, sacrifice isn't about what you're giving up. It's about what you're giving to. It's a shift in priorities. And if you get this, 
maybe it'll help you understand why we love sacrifice. It's about your priorities. See, the disciples, they didn't understand what Mary did. They didn't have the same priorities. They didn't value what she valued like she valued it. See, sacrifice is what determines value. They considered her gift a waste. In fact, John's gospel tells us that it made Judas angry. I wanna read it to you. I'm gonna start in verse three of John 12. It says, then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Hey, uh, hold up a minute. This perfume, it could have been sold. And the money, it could have been given to the poor. Now, for those of you who are thinking, oh, I like this Judas guy. Like he thinks like I think. Like there is a better use. Hold up a second. Let's just keep reading. It says, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. See, Mary does something Judas hates, but Jesus loves. Why is that? It's about priorities. Judas saw what Mary did. He says, why are you giving that up? Jesus saw what Mary did and saw what she was giving to. This is a beautiful thing. She did this to prepare for my burial. This is important. This is significant. See, Mary, she's someone who saw something dead come to life. She's someone who's seen God's word transform a situation. And I think sacrifice really changes when you're not just giving out of faith, but you're giving out of experience. When you're not just giving, expecting God to do something, but you recognize what God has already done. You know where you'd be if he wouldn't have stepped in. You know what your life would look like if he hadn't have intervened. And I know Mary, she wasn't thinking about what she was giving up. She was looking at what she was giving to, but I bet she had no idea that her sacrifice would still be talked about 2,000 years later. I bet she couldn't have even imagined that. And you see, that's the truth anytime you give to God. You can't give to God without him giving it back. For the same reason that a farmer doesn't have a funeral when he plants the seed, why? Because he knows it's gonna come back in a greater way. It is always the same thing whenever you give to God. And if we really believe this, if we really believed in the resurrection, if we really believe that what goes in the ground doesn't stay in the ground, if we really believe that what Mary did is still being talked about, if we really believe that nothing that I keep can really be kept and nothing that I give away can ever be taken away, if we really believe that it's more blessed to give than to receive, then maybe we wouldn't be so scared of sacrifice. You know, the word sacrifice comes from two Latin words. 
The root of those words, the first one is where we get the word sacred from. The second part of the word, the root of it, is where we get to make or to do. I thought that was interesting because that's really what sacrifice is. When we sacrifice, what we're doing is making that thing sacred. We're doing something sacred. We're making something holy. That's why you're not giving something up. You're giving to something. What you're saying, I'm not ignoring the demands on my life. I'm investing in my priorities. That's what you do when you sacrifice. And I've never regretted anything that I have ever given to build God's house. Of my time, of my energy, my efforts, my resource. Why? Because what you give to God, you don't give up. It comes back in a greater way. And maybe that's why Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she's done is gonna be talked about as a memorial to her. Because you can't talk about the gospel without talking about sacrifice. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. So on a week where we set aside to honor the sacrifice of those who died in service, and let's not forget to honor the sacrifice of the one who died for you and for me.